welcome everybody in to the latest episode of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. This is Season 5, Episode 3. This is named Final Scrimmage Wrapped, and it is. This time next week, Tom, we'll be breaking down Week 1 for Alabama. Game prep week. That's going to be nice. This has been a, a very quick August, I thought. How about, how about you? Yeah, I mean, yes, I, I agree. And it used to be where I, back before I ever got married and had kids and had dogs that we just talked about off the air, like August drug, man, because I was looking so forward to football season, and I still am. But, I mean, I've, my time is occupied, so – it, it does kind of just fly by. I mean, yesterday was Sweet Sophia's 17th birthday, so happy late birthday to Sophie, my youngest daughter. And, I mean, this time next Sophie. week. And, you know, with, with week zero, which I hate, I hate the term week zero. I hate the week zero because it's just it's just a – I don't even know why they play it. Just, just play – and they're adding more and more games. Like the first time they ever did week zero, it was probably one or two. Now they're up to seven. And, I mean, you've got – you got Notre Dame playing, you've got USC playing, and you've got Vanderbilt playing, which Vanderbilt is – I mean, it's a P5. It's about as, One of those teams don't belong. <laughs> well, I, I know. Damn Notre Dame, I agree. <laughs> but it is um, – it, it is – it is upon us, and and that was a perfect segue. I know people think, oh, they 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 plan all this out, uh, you know, off the air before, and we really don't. We're, when I say we're unprepared, this is probably the most prepared I have been in a while, and and my end of the podcast will probably absolutely flop because there's a there's a happy medium for me on preparedness and off the cuff, and if I prepare too much, I just talk like a robot and I I ramble through what I'm wanting to say. But it's funny you mentioned how August has flown by because that's exactly what the commentary is, is do you know less than a month from today, 25 days from today will be 9-16. That will be week three, okay? So when we wake up the next morning, the season will be 25% over. I mean, that sucks, you know? That does suck, yeah. We need to make the season longer. We do, (laughs) we do. But that's that's the topic of my commentary is enjoy the season and I was real bad especially early in Saban's tenure where it was all or nothing I mean a loss just god you know how as soon as we'd lose a game okay you you would start looking at the schedule who's ahead of you uh looking what games they could possibly lose and it and it's worked out in our favor I mean only two national titles (laughs) only two (laughs) only only two of his how many has he won six yep Gosh almighty, only two of his national titles have been undefeated seasons, and the 2020 is, is such an anom- such an outlier because we were by far the best team in the country that year, and we played a tougher schedule than anybody's ever played because we played 10 games, all conference opponents, and you could say, well, you didn't play the other two you know, for a full 12-game season, and you're correct, but if we would have, we'd only played eight conference games. So 2020 is one of the most impressive seasons anybody has ever had and anyway back to the point of enjoy the season because if my prognostication comes true nine and three hope it doesn't I am a Bama fan but I do try to be real you know we might have some losses this year but enjoy the wins because Saban's not going to be here forever and this is the first time like we've talked about that we have been absolutely unsettled at quarterback going into the season outside of uh, or since 2016 and 
in those three, from 2016 until last year, we had four, I said three, you know what, I'm wrong. We had four Heisman Trophy candidates at quarterback. We had Jalen Hurts, who made it to New York City, Tua Tungavaloa, who finished second. Thank you, Danny Connell, who made it to New York City. We had Mac Jones, who made it to New York City. And then Bryce Young, who made it to New York City and won. And then we also had another Heisman Trophy winner in Devontae Smith. And we've absolutely gotten spoiled. We were talking about it today at work, like the rideouts. That's what they called themselves. Judy, Rugg, Smitty, and Waddle. And then Mechie came along. Dude, they're so good. And, I mean, they're going to be good and pro. You know, Mechie is back. I think he cancer-free, as last I've heard. And Judy and Smitty, Waddle, they're all go-to guys at their respective teams. And then we've got we've got four quarterbacks that's going to start the season this year. I, I assume Mac is starting in New England. Surely they're going to give him one more year before they pull the plug. But it's not going to be like it was last year and the previous years where we just kind of – we can look at our schedule and honestly, I mean – okay, we might lose one game. I mean, those days are over for right now. And and maybe they won't be. Like we've talked about, Milrow, who looks like he's probably going to start, uh, brings an, an added flavor to the offense. And I've heard that we're um, – I've heard that we're looking to run the ball a lot more this year. And uh, there was a really good post on Tyler Insider by Jess N, uh, J-E-S-S, and then the letter N. I guess his last name is starts with an N. And uh, he was talking about how, you know, in scrimmages and in practices, well, when you get sacked, and I just did air quotes if you couldn't see it through the, the, the podcast airwaves, when you get sacked, it's just two-hand touch. You know, the, the quarterbacks are protected. Sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. But, I mean, Milrow, as we saw against Arkansas, he can bring a dynamic that we hadn't had since Jalen Hurts. And Jalen, you know, he, he was a much better passer at – Oklahoma but you know he had better weapons he had better weapons than Milrow's going to have this year and he still didn't really get it done uh through the air at Bama like you know Tua did of course and Mac did but enjoy the season that that's if I could just sum it up in three words the commentary enjoy the season yeah I mean it's uh you're you're setting us up for your doom and gloom but uh I'm going to enjoy the season regardless of what you say well, no, I mean, you, know, you raise a lot of good points. I mean, you, you're exactly right. I mean, this is not this is not the team that's coming in and uh, it was dominant and has a majority of the people back and there's hardly any questions. I mean, it's full of questions. I mean, there are questions all over the field for us, but we have a lot of talent there and it's just a matter of whether or not, you know, we can put it together. But you're, you're exactly right. These, And I'll tell you this. You and I, of course, we went to college together, and and we've been watching football games together for going on. Uh, let's do a little quick math here: about thirty, 30 years, years plus. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, for the, I was gonna say, wow, wow. Now it's making me reflect because I was gonna say for a majority of those, but that's not entirely correct. For half of those, we were without Nick Saban, right? Because Saban's been here 15 years now. He's been here. This so, is 17, I think. Uh, seven, yeah. So, so <laughs> can you believe 
does it feel like you and I have watched so much football together that the Saban has been the coach a majority of the games we've watched? No, I mean that, that's wild, but no, that's a good point. It, Not at all. It, it feels like he's the new coach, you know. Yeah. And after everything we kind of suffered through, but wow, I I I didn't even didn't realize that. But the point being is that uh, pre Saban, it was always an anticipation of what you were going to get. You could you could see them going ten and two, twelve and zero, or seven and five, and even worse sometimes. But you you just never knew, and it was still really enjoyable. I mean, it was always upsetting when you lost, and uh, uh, but the anticipation was all always there. And this is this is something that a lot of new I don't want to say new Alabama fans but maybe a lot of younger Alabama fans I mean just just think about it if you're 14 years old 13 years old when Saban got there you're 30 now and you've known nothing but just dominance yeah (laughs) I mean this you know so those guys it it may be a, a new thing to them but uh but it's it's still gonna be fun it's gonna be entertaining and there's something to be said for a little bit of unknown in the upcoming season. It, it adds a little spice to it, if you will. So, uh, no, I, I completely agree with you on that front. Um, one thing to note also, if I can remember what the heck I was going to note, you had mentioned, you know, whether or not, uh, or, or, I guess the the lack of the dominance or whatnot. We're starting the preseason. What are we fourth in the AP poll or yeah, fifth? Four. <clears throat> we're four, and then we're three in the coaches, I believe. Four in AP. I saw a wild stat because we've been ranked one or two since two thousand and eight every year, except for how many years? Is it three? I don't know that. Now we've in been the number one. We have been number one. Did we get number one last year? I don't we know did. that we did. We did. Yeah, yeah. We kept the streak alive last okay, year. Okay, so we've been number one since two thousand eight, at least one time during the season. I mean, that's that that's that correct. will never be matched again. I don't think. <laughs> no, and it's still going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we uh, we have an excellent. We beat Texas, and let's just say we beat them convincingly. We are going to get some votes. We're not going to jump Georgia, but we're going to we're going to get some votes. Yep, yep. No, we certainly would. And and I guess the point I was making a while ago, and I heard the stat the other day, and I didn't write it down, but only maybe three times. I want to say it's three times. Have we not been ranked either one or two to start the season in the last uh, fifteen years? Uh, but of those two previous times or three previous times, whatever it was, we won the national championship. I like it. I like it, Tom. (laughs) That's the stats I tune in for. That's the ones we like. (laughs) I probably missed it, you know, something fierce out in left field, but it it was something along those lines. It's very interesting. And we've never let facts get in the way of a good of good stats on a on this. No, it's a good story. It's a good story. (laughs) Yeah. All right, well let's roll into the practice report from the final scrimmage. So uh so, uh, you know, I, I've just – I've read all the chit-chat boards, as many as I could, and kind of the consensus on the quarterbacks is Milrow is probably going to get the start, and it looks like Buckner 
the the Notre Dame transfer is going to be number two and could change the, the guys. That's just that is people the Red Elephant Club. They got to attend the scrimmage on Saturday, and uh, I got my information from Tider Insider. Don't want to try to pass it off as my own because it's definitely not, and I'm not a member of the Red Elephant Club. But uh, that was kind of what they were talking about. Lonergan, uh, you know, Shannon Terry, who is uh, I think he was he was. Um, Bam Online, now I think he's part of Own3 Sports. He sent out a, a very interesting tweet last week. Um, I don't remember who all he had where. It was like uh, Milrow is um, – Milrow was something, like uh, odds on favorite to start or whatever. Most athletic maybe was Milrow. Highest ceiling was uh, Ty Simpson. Strongest arm was Dylan Lonergan. And then, like, who can win the players, question mark, who can win – the trust of the coaches, question mark. And I, I should have retweeted it so you could have known exactly what I was talking about. But it was interesting that because Shannon Terry is very well respected around Bama circles. And he – I don't know that coaches ever talk to him or, send, or, or third party – send messages third party to be like, hey, man, let's uh, temper expectations or let's do this. Let's, I don't know that they do or don't do that. But the fact that he put that out there about Dylan Lonergan – and the players are raving about it. So, I tell you, man, Milrow, Buckner, and Ty, if they don't come through early, it might be Lonergan's. It might be another 2016 Jalen Hurts where he's just too good to keep off the field. I don't think we're in that – I don't think we're going to be in that situation. And Like I said, I think Milrow with Buckner probably getting second team reps. But the, the impressive part about Buckner is he's been through like 15 practices and he's already – possibly arguably running second team so if that is the case i don't know how you you hold him off throughout the year i mean milro like I, I i told tom off the air i went and picked up two puppies from south carolina this past saturday it was a nice little 14 hour and 10 minute round trip i drove in drove out because i didn't really want to spend the night in a hotel with two puppies and so i got as you can imagine i listened to a lot of uh, xm talk radio and um, and I'm going blank about what I had a fantastic point I was about to make, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it'll come to me. I don't know. Uh, While you're thinking of it, I've, yeah. I've kind of heard the same scuttlebutt with uh, the Milro and Lonergan, and you know Lonergan was one of the two touted freshmen, of course, that we had. Uh, with uh, him and who who was the other one? What's the other guy's name? Eli um, Holstein, maybe? Holstein, maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah. So they both come in at the same time. And I think Eli was supposed to actually, by a lot of pundits, was, was supposedly the, the higher ceiling guy or the, the higher rank guy there. But uh, if, if you've got a guy like Lonergan making waves – that has to tell you something for the future. And and you don't get a lot of that from freshmen who don't play. You know, Saban hardly ever calls people out or, or, or you know, people have done enough to warrant mention in a, uh, a you know, a session, a media session, something like that, if they're if they're not truly standout players, and to, and to be doing that as a true freshman, there is impressive. I, again, I don't I don't expect him to start. I still expect Milrow to do it, and I and again, I'm I'm still rooting for Milrow to to be able to protect the ball 
be able to get the ball downfield and and keep the job comfortably throughout the year again that's my choice uh because of his athleticism and we went over that ad nauseum in the previous two episodes but uh, but I'm, I, like I said, I, I've heard sort of the same stories coming out of the, the quarterback situation. And it seems to me that uh, you've got to start implementing offense now that you're two weeks from season away. I would expect that offense to start revolving around Milrow right now. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, the media period, view, the media viewing period is very short, but I'm sure at this point the reps have to be leaning towards one player or another. And I, I remember what I was going to say. It was they played Saban's uh, press conference about uh, – it, it wasn't before – it wasn't before, It wasn't after the scrimmage because the scrimmage – this was in the – this was, they were actually playing – a lot of the stuff they were playing was Friday. They were, they were repeating Saturday. Then they had some live programming. But he basically said, you have to force me to not play you. Or, or force force me to play you, like force force my hand where I can't afford to take you off the field, and if I'm like you, man, Milrow would be fantastic. I'm not for or against anybody. Uh, I just want the best guy out there, and whoever's out there, I want them to be so good that we can't like it's not worth it to put Buckner in to see what he can do. Like I, you know, uh, ten play drive, uh, seventy five yards. Four completions and a you know a passing touchdown. Then the next drive, you know, twelve plays, eighty-five yards, thirty yards on the ground, and then uh, we run it in from the one or whatever. I mean, I I want good stats from him to where to where we have to play him at quarterback. And you know, we are judged. It's it's kind of unfair. And it's, I thought about putting this in the commentary, but we'll talk about it now. It's kind of unfair that we are judged against Bama teams before us with, with Saban because he, you know, he's just the best to ever do it. I'm sure, and Georgia's about to get the same treatment. Georgia's team is about to be judged based on 2021 and 2022. Ohio State, Ohio State's teams are judged by their previous year's teams. You know, whether it be last year or two or three years ago, whatever. Because we're not the only team that's breaking in a new quarterback. I mean, for crying out loud, Tom, Florida lost an NFL starter last year. You know, this guy's starting an NFL. <laughs> but I looked at it today. I looked at it today, and Florida, and there might be more, but these are the four that I hurriedly got to jot down. Florida, Tennessee, Auburn, and Ole Miss all are start going to be starting new quarterbacks. Uh, Peyton Thorne beat out Robbie Ashford. I know we're all shocked there. And Peyton Thorne was 19 touchdowns, 11 interceptions last year at Michigan State. You know, the Big Ten is not – I mean, outside of Michigan and Ohio State, Penn State, and I don't even know if they played all three of those teams. I don't know the, the divisions. The, I don't know if they're in the leaders of the legends and what cross-division games they had. I know they played Michigan for sure. But, you know, that's not – that is not overly impressive, 19 and 11. And who, Florida is the guy from Wisconsin to transfer in. Ole Miss, now I, I think they have a guy who's probably got more playing time than the rest of us. But, you know, we are under the microscope, and for a couple of reasons. One, we're Alabama. And two, we have Texas game two. Like, somebody's got to be ready to go out there and sling it week two. If Texas was week five, if we had four patsies, and then Texas was week five, and then we rolled into our comfort schedule, it wouldn't be near big a deal as it is. But, you know, Texas is going to set the tone for the season. 
And I've got us losing that game, but I did kind of crawfish on that last week, and I'll continue. If we beat Texas, we're we're staring 12-0 and 0 in the face. I mean, because they're going to be one of the top – well, we ranked them last week. We said they were in the top three teams. I think both of us had them at one or two, you know. So, yeah. it, it's somewhat downhill from there. Granted, we have some good teams to play, but, I mean, they're going to be a great measuring stick. And if we were to beat them, like I said, let's just say Milrow comes out, shows out, we beat them 35-14. to 14. Uh, Heads are going to turn on Bama. Oh, yeah. Let, let me ask you this, and I find this to be an interesting question, and I don't necessarily know my answer for it yet, but – here are the top returning quarterbacks in the SEC. And the question I'm going to pose to you is, where on this list do you say, yes, I'll just take that guy as a starter all year for us and take his ups and downs? Or no, even though our guy may or may not be better than him, I think we have a higher ceiling, and I'd like to roll the dice with whoever we get that comes out of the group. Okay? You understand okay. the question? I, I do, yeah. All right. So uh, pretty much a first-team SEC selection, Jaden Daniels, LSU. Would you take Jaden over our group? I, I think I will, yes. I'll go yes on him. Yeah, and I'm questionable on him. Okay. KJ Jefferson fine. from Arkansas. Uh I think so, and it's it's man. It, what is he going to be starting his third year? That's that's tough. That all that experience is tough. I'm going to say yes on KJ. I would take KJ. Yes, I would take KJ. Third team, Joe Milton, Tennessee. No, absolutely not. Fourteen, Will Rogers, Mississippi State. Ah, that is a good one. I was as soon as you said the format of the question, I got to brainstorming. Will Rogers is interesting because he doesn't. He's a statue, right? Pretty much. Uh, well, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I guess that's the way he's played. He's, he seems like he could <laughs> run it some, but, uh, of course, you know, who knows what that, that offense is going to do this year. But that's yeah. the way uh, that's the way the Pirate was using him, just getting back there and just slinging it. Well, and that, that brings us – let me cheat a little bit on this. You give me the receivers from 2018, I'll take Will Rogers. But the receivers we have now, I, I don't, I can't do it. I've got to have somebody that can create. Yeah, yeah, and and of course it gets worse from there. And you don't have very many returning uh, guys. I guess there's uh, who is it? Jackson Dart from Ole Miss. He's back, right? Yeah, but you know Corral started, but yeah, but yeah, Jackson right. Dart, I think. Um, and I don't know. <laughs> You take Robbie Ashford from Auburn. He's <laughs> he's already been demoted. Uh, yeah. Oh, Spencer you know Auburn Rattler, fans? I guess. Yeah. I, I, no, he's he's too uh, he's too sporadic. I mean, he had two great wins last year, Tennessee and Clemson. But he he's, yeah. He's so not, so the, yeah. The, the yeah. So the point is here: you you've got a clear top four returning quarterbacks, and two out of the four at most is all we would swap them for. Mm-hmm. No, that's a good point. I, you know, I, I think, I think it's, uh, I think you, you would be kind of far fetched to think that whoever starts for Alabama won't make a run at being all SEC, whoever that is. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you, do you think? Or, okay, so here's 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 a different way to put that. You, 
I just listed first team, second team, third team, fourth team, preseason all SEC from Phil Steele. What are the chances Alabama's quarterback cracks uh, one of the top four? Oh, I, all it, SEC it, let's, teams? well, let's say if we if if the quarterback that starts the first game and then starts against Texas, if he's the starter all year. I don't see any way that we're not – he's not at least second team all SEC th- – or well, let me read – third team all SEC. Because, you I know, Georgia, Georgia's got Carson Beck, who had was, I think, committed to us for a while. You know, he'll be good. And they play nobody. Like, he's going to be able to put up numbers. But I, I definitely see Daniels, you know, you're, you're fading LSU. If they fade as you expect them to, he won't finish first. You know, if they, if they have three no. or four losses, he won't finish first. So – I would say if Jalen Milrow starts game one and, and goes to Auburn and he's still the starter and we finish at 10-2, and 11-1, maybe even 9-3, and three, I think he's third team at worst. No, no. I, I, that, that, that's exactly what I, my thoughts were. So, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get down on a quarterback situation by my fans. <laughs> well, you know, and I'll close out the quarterbacks because we need to talk defense, wide receivers, things of that nature. Uh and I do, I know that quarterbacks develop at different rates. I mean, you know, Greg McElroy didn't start till his junior year, won a national title. Jake Coker transferred in, and and we we had him. You know, we had him starting in 2014. All the Bama fans had him starting in 2014, and Blake Sims like not so fast. And Blake Sims threw one of the best deep balls to have anybody ever to play at Bama. And took us to the took us to the playoffs, and we if we'd run Derrick Henry, I think we'd have won the national title that year. But Kiffin got cute, and we know the rest is is history. But then Jake Coker started the next year as probably a fifth year senior. Mac Jones bided his time to start. You know he had the one year after uh, Tua and Jalen, or I guess Tua left. But the point is, so I'm going to kind of talk out of both sides of my mouth here. Jalen Miller, like, why is he not ready? You know, this is his third year, going into the third year of the – his third year of the program, okay? So, he was here on campus in 2021, and I don't know if he ran scout team that year. A lot of times, I'm, I'm sure Lonergan or Holstein, one, is running scout team. You know, they're not going to want put one of your top three quarterbacks because you might need them. So, I would say one of those guys running scout team – I would guess Milrow ran scout, if not exclusively, at least some situational stuff – so he practiced in 2021. He got spring of 2022. He practiced in 2022 as the backup and played a couple of games and played mop-up duty. And then he had the spring of 2023 in the fall camp. I just don't know how you're not ready to just take over. You know, that that is concerning to where he's not the guy. He should be the guy. I agree with that. I mean, that's a that's an excellent point. He is he has been in the system and actually has game time starting experience. You would think that he would have taken it by the horns already. And yeah. he is the front runner. Maybe the people behind him that we hadn't seen are just that good, and that would be great if that's the case. Uh, we just don't know. But but that is an excellent point. Yeah. Uh, back to the scrimmage, the wide receivers, you know, I'm still hearing that we had drops, and that's just un- it's inexcusable. I, like I said, we don't have the ride outs anymore, but we've got we've got good kids that have got to step up. We got the transfer, you know, from Georgia. We have, um, name escapes me, I've got it pulled up right here, Jermaine Burton. Like, dude, you're a senior. 
you've played a lot of football. Ja'Cory Brooks, you've made some big catches in your career. Malik Benson, I think, is coming on. you got Isaiah Bond. He, he's played well. You've got um, Kobe Prentice. He's played well. Like Somebody's got to step up and be WR1. Somebody's got to want it. And yeah. we, we need it to be Jermaine Burton based on speed. And I, I know, you know, Nib Black and C.J. Dupree, the, the Dupree is the uh, transfer, you know, uh, maybe from Maryland. Does that sound right? Maryland, yep. That's yeah, right. Okay, yeah, that's correct. You know, that's great, but we need – tight ends are seldom – Brock Bowers can stretch the field. Uh, O.J. Howard and Irv Jones – Irv Smith, excuse me. Irv Smith could stretch the field. Uh, you know, Gronkowski – Irv Jones would have been a great tight end, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey, Kittle, they can stretch the field. Like, I don't know that Niblack and Dupree can stretch the field, so somebody has got to step up. Not only stretch the field, you got to make the clutch catches, and that, that is a, a, an area of concern right now for me because, yes, I think we're going to run the ball. I've heard, I have heard that we're more physical, a more physical team this year than we have been in the past two, whatever that means. Why, what, my question is why were we not physical in the last two years? You know, what happened? Like Nobody is afraid to play Bama like they used to be. And until we change that narrative, we're not going to be – we're not going to be able to roll out the football and win, you know, all, the majority of our games. We're going to have to fight tooth and nail. So, hey, somebody step up. We, Go ahead. Well, no, I, I agree with all that. And what I was going to say is uh, one thing that, that I want to touch on next week, and I want to mention it now so we don't forget it, but it kind of plays into what you were just talking about, not being as physical as we have been and, and whatnot. And last week we talked about the the new coordinators, which we were happy to see, but obviously we need results out of them. But, but there, there was one glaring thing last year that really eat at me, and I know it eat at a lot of other fans too, when we had come off the previous four, five, six seasons in a row where our offense would get out and ahead of somebody early. Like there were there was a couple of seasons there where we scored on almost every opening drive. Like mm-hmm. that was just almost automatic the the scripted plays work because you had a great game plan you go out there you execute you, you don't have the ebb and flow of the game weighing on you at that point you just go out there and do what you've got pre-planned and it worked and we scored at will and last year we hardly ever scored on opening kickoff it just wasn't there was just something missing and and that it didn't matter who the opponent was uh, we just seem to get off to much slower starts. Even in the lopsided games that we won, we tended to have to get our legs under for two or three series before we started clicking and started do- making things happen. And and a lot of that, I think, was coordinator-driven. So it'll be interesting to see, even against an opponent such as Middle Tennessee State, whether or not we can get back to dominating at the line of scrimmage, dominating the opening drive, and getting points on the board early. Um, I don't know why we were talking about wide receivers, and I got off on that tangent, but it just reminded me of that when when you mentioned that, that point about not being as dominant or not being as physical. But I, before we move off of wide receivers, I'll just say I got big hopes for Malik. I think Jermaine Burton 
seems to be the most vocal in the locker room now amongst the wide receivers, which is good. I think heck he's a he's a senior now, right? Or is he a junior still? Uh, he's he's late in the process, whatever the game is. But Malik being the number one JUCO player coming out, I think he can be a game changer. Uh, I just you know we'll we'll see how they utilize him, but. Number one in the country at the JUCO level is is a pretty a pretty good gauge of ability, and um, I'm hopeful that he'll be a, a high impact player for us. Yeah, I agree on Benson. He he needs to step up, and and I think he will. A lot of times with the JUCO guys, it takes a little bit of time. Maybe maybe the wide receiver position's a little quicker learning curve than the uh, than the some other positions. But you know, back to being physical. If we can run the ball, and I think we can, I think we've got a good running back room as we've talked about. Uh, we, you and I wouldn't trade it for anybody. Then we found out we're fifteenth <laughs> in the nation, so maybe <laughs> maybe we would trade with a few people that we weren't really thinking about. But I, I'm happy with our running running back situation. But here's the thing, okay? And with Jalen at quarterback, that opens up to where, and that that was what Jess in posted is, you know. People are upset that reportedly, not even factual, just the the scuttlebutt reportedly that Jalen Milrow is a one-read quarterback and go. One read and go. What that means is for people who are listening to this podcast that aren't football fanatics, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. I don't know why the fanatics are listening to the podcast. But a one <laughs> read and go. So let's let's say the first read of your progression is is a ten, is a deep out, you know, what, 15, 20 yard out. So you look at that, when the receiver breaks, he's not open, that means you tuck and run because he's athletic enough. You know, think Cam Newton, think Michael Vick, think um, Steve Young, th- those type of wheels that could really get some yardage. And that's not preferred because, man, you know, like Tua would check down, Bryce Young would check down, all the greats they check down and they hit their second, third, fourth receivers. That's where you make your, your big plays. But – if you if we are one read and go, then that means eventually if he if he starts getting eight yards of carry, five yards of carry, twenty two yards of carry, taking one to the house, that extra defensive player they're they're leaving back that extra safety he's going to have to walk up. Then all of a sudden you've got one on one coverage. The problem is if our receivers can't catch the ball, then what does it matter if they walk a safety down? They're, they're going to walk a safety down. They're going to stop the run because we can't catch the ball. So it's imperative that somebody steps up and and is the WR1 as we talked about. But flipping flipping sides to the defense, and that's really where they said we're more physical. I've, I've heard offensive line is going to be really good at run blocking and pass blocking is going to have to kind of come into form. That's fine. But defense more physical. Um, congratulations to Kool-Aid McKinstry. He is on at least one preseason All-American team, so that's fantastic. And I got to thinking, and this is going to tie in with what I said about people not being afraid to play Bama like they used to be. If I'm defensive coordinator, if if I'm head coach, here's what I'm going to tell my defensive coordinator this year. I'm going to go to Kevin Steele, and I'm going to say, we've got to get back to playing Alabama football. And here's what I want from my defense. I want hard hits. I want. I don't care if you launch. I want balls separated from receivers. Balls separated from running backs. I want a nastiness on the defense. And then you know, coach is gonna be like, well, you know, coach, um, you know, we just can't do it anymore with the targeting rules and stuff. 
I'm going to say, Coach, I'm going to tell you this. You, you play like I just said to play, and when we get too many kids thrown out from targeting, I'll let you know. But that is the mentality I would instill in the defense if I was coaching Alabama. I don't care if we get somebody kicked out for targeting. I want you to be afraid to come across the middle. I want you to be afraid to catch a little swing pass out of the backfield. I want to play hard-nosed, clean, tough football because let's be honest, man, a lot, a lot of the targeting are good hits. They're just not allowed anymore because – Afraid of lawsuits, but I, I digress. Yeah, we definitely need that physical defense, and, and everything that I've been hearing is is good. Uh, we need we need some depth. You know, it looks like the Trey Amos uh, transfer is going to play pretty quickly. It looks like Caleb Downs has secured a starting spot back there as a freshman and in, in, in the defensive secondary. Uh, th- these these guys are we have some experience at every level like solid experience Dallas Turner in the linebackers and then you got Jaheim Otis on the defensive line you got Kool Aid in the secondary I mean you've got people that are leaders you know if you if you have four new starters in one of the groups it's hard to have a leader in that group to to follow. But it's it's good having the experience that we have, even though it may not be as deep as far as experience-wise than, than some teams because we lost a few players. I think we're really solid there, and, and I, I'm, I'm looking forward. I was looking forward to the defense last year, and, and they were improved. They, they were. I, we just didn't like a lot of the scheme and that sort of thing that went down, and, and we, had a, we had a good year. I, preseason last year with – with Will Anderson and all, I think I remember telling you that I thought this was going to be the the kind of defense that that we'd been expecting at Bama for several years and get back to, and it didn't quite pan out. I mean, they were really good uh, comparatively, but they just uh, just weren't as elite as I was hoping. I'm hopeful this year will be a step above last year's uh, defense, and and I think anything anything better than last year is going to get you into the top 10 in the country and it and it won't take much to to join the top 5 and and if you're in top 5 you're elite that's just yeah, all there is yeah, to for it for sure let me ask you this closing out then we'll move on to our CFP uh projections would you take this from our starting quarterback uh through well let's i I don't want to I don't want to corner myself would you take this from your starting quarterback this year zero turnovers Let's say around 225 yards passing with a 65% completion percentage. Would, is that asking too much from our quarterback? Would you be okay with those numbers starting out? Average over the whole year? No, starting out. First three games. Oh, first three games. First three games. Uh, I would say I would take that in the first three games. And I would caveat that by also saying that Texas would be a difficult game to win with only 225 yards passing. That's a scary proposition then. But, you know, if a running game shores up and we get 225 passing, 200 rushing, that's 425 yards. That that shows you, though, how important – because I'm not sure we can get that right now with the quarterback situation, wide receiver situation we have – that shows you how important our defense is to to not pitch a shutout, but you got to pitch some shutout quarters. Like you got to get three and out three three straight times, something like that, or or at least 
four and out, five and out, six, you know, four plays and a punt, six plays and a punt, nine or eight plays and a missed field goal, whatever, you know. It's uh, Yeah, and 200 yards on the ground, because that's what I was thinking about. 200 yards on the ground is very difficult to achieve against Division One high-caliber football teams, regardless of who it is. It's difficult. I'm not saying mm-hmm. you can't do yeah. it, but it's difficult. You, you know, if you're playing – any anybody in the top half of the SEC, and you get 150 to 200 yards in that range, you got to feel like you've had a successful day on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, are you still gonna hang in there? What did you have us 11 and one? Did I even give a? a, a, a I thought I'd say we were winning them all. That's what I'm asking. <laughs> I, I'm looking back. <laughs> did you say? Did you say uh, twelve and zero? I don't remember what you had. Yeah, I, 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 I think I did. I think I think I, I have us winning them all. I love. And it. I was trying to convince you that that the Texas was the swing game for us, and uh, and and that's when I got you to crawfish a little bit, as you said. So yeah. But no, I, I do. I do think that we'll have. I think we'll be favored in every game, unless the wheels fall off. Of course, in the first six games, and something happens at the end. But, but if we play, you know, just we're going to be favored in Texas. I mean, we're we're a touchdown favorite oh, in the yeah, game already yeah. preseason. No, so that's not changing. So, and we both said that we thought that was our either our toughest or our second toughest game of the year, and yet we're seven point favorite. So mm. why wouldn't I say we'd win them all? We'll be a favorite in all of them. Uh, Things happen, obviously, but we're not. You know, people go, "Oh, he's got cramps and color glasses." Well, I mean, heck, you're the favorite. You're supposed to win. If 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 I if I got on here and we we knew that we were going to be underdogs in three games this year, it would be different for me calling us to win it all. Um, And and that's that's the situation you're in when you're when you're LSU. They're going to be underdogs at least a couple times this year, at least. Mm. Oh, yeah. uh, Tennessee is going to be underdogs at least twice, at least twice. Georgia's going to be a favorite in every game. Uh, you know, there there are a handful of teams out there that will be a favorite in every game, and my gosh, you know, crazily enough, those are the teams that are favored to win it all. <laughs> will Ohio so, State be favored in every game? They, uh, they play, will not be. They play at Michigan. They will not. They play at Michigan. That is correct. I don't. I don't think they'll be favored in that game. Yeah, uh, that'll be the. Either. And yeah. that's a that's a dangerous game for uh, Coach Day because they're not used to losing to Michigan, especially not three in a row. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, for, for sure. That's actually probably a pretty good segue into our college football playoff yeah, predictions, yeah, for huh? Sure. So I looked at uh, this. We're going to predict our our. Final four, and uh, what I did in what I did with uh, the AP poll, we, we're looking at the AP poll. So they've got Georgia one, Michigan two, Ohio State three, Alabama four. It's almost impossible to get those four teams because what that would entail is Georgia and Bama both finishing undefeated or with the well, Bama would have to have zero losses going into the. SEC championship game and lose to Georgia or have one loss and then beat Georgia. But if we had one loss beat Georgia, we're going to be number one. And uh, then Michigan and Ohio State play each other the last game of the year. The winner will go, if they're both undefeated, the winner will go to the Big Ten championship. 
But just for argument's sake, that was that was the AP polls one through four. So my top four prognostication. Let's let's start with uh, I'll start with one. That's because that's easy. I'm going to say Georgia. I'm going to say Georgia runs the table, wins the SEC East, wins in Atlanta, and is poised for a three peat. Who you have at one? Michigan. So they're going to avenge last year. They had a heartbreak last year with uh, the TCU. And the quarterback stayed on the field and watched them celebrate, and that—that's that, how a lot of—that's uh, how a lot of villain Michigan stories ha- start. Yeah, Michigan has a lot of juice back. You know, they're—they're—they're—they're going to be really good on defense again. They've got, if I'm not mistaken, they have their quarterback back. I forget yeah, what his name do. is. I know they have Blake Corum back, the, the awesome running back, plus another stable. They're going to be tough, and they get Ohio State at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I like them. Uh, I think I think they only play one other ranked team, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's Penn State. So they're gonna they're gonna catch two ranked teams on their entire schedule, and they get Ohio State at home. Even if they were to lose, I, I they may be in Happy Valley for Penn State. I don't recall. I don't have it in I front of me. They may see. be there. Even if they would happen to lose that game, if they come back and run the table eleven and one and beat Ohio State, obviously they're in. Yeah, I agree. Well, number two, I've got Ohio State. I've got Michigan out altogether. I've got Ohio State at two. I, I really have high hopes for them this year. A lot of people are on Penn State. I just I can't get behind that, not with them having to play Michigan and uh, and Ohio State. So I've got Ohio State at yeah. two. Yeah, I don't like a, a Penn State either for the schedule, but I also don't like Ohio State for the same reason. Again, they go on the road to play, and I'm actually trying to pull their schedule up. Here it is right here. So they go on the road to play Michigan, but but uh, Ohio State also has to go to Notre Dame, which, of course, we know how we feel about Notre Dame. That's not anything special. But they also have to go to – They also have to go to Wisconsin. Yeah, that's tough. So that's, that's a tough game, and that's, so then, and that's in October. So that's a, that's a little bit down the road. So Wisconsin may or may not have their their feet under them at that time, but I think they just have a tougher schedule. So I have Ohio State out and Michigan in, but my number two spot I have Georgia. Yeah. Okay. Three. I've got. You know what that means, right? I I I got Georgia in the playoffs and the number two spot. So I do have them winning the SEC, but I also have them losing a regular season game. Yeah, I could I could see that. That ten at Tennessee is gonna be tough because they're gonna be lathered up the same way they were lathered up for us last year because we came to the I don't think there's any way Tennessee beats us in Tuscaloosa last year. It might be crimson colored glasses, but I don't think it would have happened. At three, I've oh, got your Lord, I've got your uh, poo poo team this year. I've got LSU at three, man. They are they're solid. They're good. They've got good personnel. Can they put it together? I don't know. I know Coach Kelly brings a mentality that he's won, he's been successful. Uh, at Notre, at a tough place to win at Notre Dame. So uh, I've got LSU at three. I've got the leading Heisman Trophy candidate squad at number three, USC. The uh, the Pac-12 obviously is a shell of what it's going to be. There's going to be some bickering, and USC's on its way out. And what a what a better way to give them the the middle finger on the way out than to make the college playoff and and knowing that the following year you're not even going to be in their conference anymore. Yeah. But I do think Williams is that good, and I think the coaching, of course, with uh, what's his face over there, I can't even think of his name Lincoln now, Riley. but he's all 
Lincoln Riley. He's he's uh he's putting it together. I mean, he made a run last year and just his year one. I think he'll be that much better in year two, and he's got a second year quarterback. We know what he's doing in Oklahoma, and to be perfectly frank with you, you have better players at USC than you do at Oklahoma, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, think so. you. you, you you t- you take that whole West Coast. You got your pick of the litter over there, without hardly competing with anybody. And uh, I I, th- I think he gets it done. Yeah, I've got him at four, so I, we're we're pretty close there. I got USC coming in in the fourth spot. Now I got Bam at four. All right, roll tide, Tom. Uh- well, I have that exact scenario that you were talking about. I have Georgia with one loss and Alabama undefeated getting to the SEC championship game. And then us losing a, a tight one, but still getting in. I mean, if you get to the SEC championship game undefeated, you're in. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. Regardless of that outcome. And, and that's where I have them sitting at number four. If TCU can get to their championship game and lose and get in, there's no excuse the ACC team couldn't be 12-0 and and lose and get in. So I, I'm, I'm with yeah, you on no that doubt. one. All right, so quickly, we've got about ah, six or seven minutes to wrap up. The last topic we're going to look at, I, want to, I wanted Tom, I challenged him to name one team out of the top 12 that could be a surprise participant. So if you're looking at the AP poll, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I've got – couple of teams written down and i'm gonna let tom go first even though he said he wrote down two teams so who do you have and why i'll give you my primary team first and then uh you've probably got one of these in yours if if not both but that's the usually way it goes but my primary team i have is wisconsin i think their schedule sets up really really well there's a lot of things happening over in wisconsin and i'm trying to flip over here to their schedule real quick so i can so i can uh, i don't get you a i don't have a, i don't have them so that's good i get to main i get so, to so Wis- yeah so wisconsin you know they get the new coach they fired their coach you know the the golden boy midway through the season last year uh they, they had high hopes for and they bring in luke fickle and Immediately, he's got a transfer quarterback coming in from somewhere. S, S- not SMU. Uh, might have been SMU. So some some place that just slings it all over the field. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to bring a spread offense to Wisconsin, uh, presumably with a quarterback who has uh, significant experience and is going to throw the ball. And he's going to couple them with the great offensive line play that they already have, the bruising running backs that they already have, and they have a stout defense. And all that, to say this, their road games this year, Washington State, Purdue, Illinois, Indiana, and Minnesota. Those are the road games. They only have two ranked teams. They get both of them at home. Iowa on October 14th, which is very winnable. They'll likely be a favorite in that game as as the home team. And uh, two weeks later, they get Ohio State. They don't have to play Michigan. They get Ohio State, but they get them at home. And so <clears throat> Camp Randall at night, Ohio State, if you're sitting there at 7-0 and going into that game, even if they're at 6-1, and uh, they can make some noise this year for sure. Yeah, yeah. that's. I, I like the pick. I didn't even really look at them. What are they? What's their preseason rank? Uh, They're down around 20th or so, I think. Yeah. I picked, uh, I, I, like I said, I picked two teams, and I'll just give you, I'll give you the two teams, but I'm only going to break down one. 
Uh, I had Oregon and Utah, and I liked Oregon a lot better. And let me pull up uh, the rankings here so we can see exactly where. So in the AP, um, Wisconsin is 19. So you definitely fell within the uh, – you, you follow directions. You understood the assignment, Tom. Uh, Notre Dame was Notre Dame is 13, and I'm like, yeah, they're not going to make it. And I, I, I'm going to be fair. They play. They have a tough schedule. They play Ohio State. They play USC, and then they play another team. They play at Clemson. So I mean, that should be three losses there. I feel like, but I've got Oregon, and here's why. First off, you got Bo Nix, who is you got good Bo, bad Bo, and he's a fifth year senior. You know, he's using his COVID year this year, and. I mean, it's time to get it done. You know, he played well last year, and if he can really put it together, I'm talking a 12-game season because he had a couple of hiccups last year where he just didn't play well. Kind of we saw bad Bo come back out. But their schedule sets up pretty nicely, in my opinion. They have Portland State at home. They do go on the road to at Texas Tech, and that, you know, that's a long ride on a plane. I mean, from, from uh, Eugene all the way down to West Texas. But let's say they can win that one. I think they can. They host Hawaii. They host Colorado. They're at Stanford. Not even sure Stanford has a team this year. So I'm going to say right there, one, two, three, four, five games. They're going to start out 5-0. and oh. They go to Washington, who is ranked uh, – I need my readers. I have hit the age where I can't, <laughs> I can't tell if that's a 14 or a 10. It's a 10. Washington is 10. Okay. Uh, actually, they have Washington – yeah, they at Washington, number, uh, number 10 – on October 14th. Now, that's a stretch. That, and, and like I said, there's a reason they're ranked 12th because people look at the schedule and ask, can they run the table? No. Then where are we going to put them? They're going to put them at 12. Okay. But if they could get past Washington, they host Washington State. Then they go to Utah, who's my other team that, uh, that I think outside the top 12 that could make the playoffs. If they can get past that one, you got Cal. Then you've got USC. They do host USC. And I'm telling you, it's just like, it's just like Wisconsin. If they can roll into that the, their pivotal game undefeated, if somehow Oregon can roll aces and get into USC on November 11th, coming to uh, coming to Eugene, it's going to be a tough uh, tough atmosphere. And if they were to get past that one, they've got at Arizona State. They host the rival uh, Oregon State uh, to close out the year. They've got eight returning starters on offense, nine on defense, and they do return their quarterback. So that I think that is just a recipe where Oregon could make some noise. Um, do I would I put money on them making it? No, but it, just for our exercise, I like them. Utah kind of uh, Utah hosts Florida first, and it, they kind of, their season kind of sets up. You know, they have USC, uh, and the thing is with Utah, they play USC and Oregon back to back. So there's a good chance that they might they could take two losses. I think that works in Oregon's favor. Go even though they got to go to Utah. Utah be coming off a most likely a loss at USC. Yeah, and, and I can see that. My my other team, and, and of course you you concentrated all in the Pac-12 there, but my other or the Pac-4, I should say, my other team is uh, the team I had finished in second in the West, Ole Miss. I, I think if you remember last year, Ole Miss was seven and zero. Before yeah. they lost at LSU, and and of course that spiral. I mean, they bounced back the next week and went to A and M and won. But then, and then of course they had Alabama, which is a tough game, which they played very tough, but it, it, was, it was a tough game. 
Then they had to go to Arkansas, and then, of course, the Pirate beat them in the finale. Mm -hmm. But they were very close there from having a really, really good year last year. They get nine starters back on offense alone, seven more on defense. And, of course, they got maybe the best running back in the conference, Quinchon Judkins. And I think their schedule sets up pretty good, with the exception of the two glaring games. But here's the thing. They've got Alabama and Georgia both on their schedule this year. All right. Unfortunately for them, they play them both on the road. Now, if they were at home playing both those teams, they're still underdogs. So they didn't lose a lot by going on the road to play those two top teams. What they actually did was made sure that they played the other teams that were more of toss-up games at home. They get mm-hmm. LSU at home. They get Arkansas at home. They get Texas A&M at home. So, circle that Georgia game, by the way. That's the week before Georgia plays at Tennessee. So, Ole Miss goes to Georgia. But that, well, first off, if Ole Miss is rolling like I, like I say they could be, they could be 7 or 8 and 1 going into that Georgia game and force Georgia into game planning for them instead of Tennessee or if they overlook Ole Miss uh, ahead to Tennessee, that's a that's a trap game. But anyway, I think Ole Miss has an outside shot of of making some noise. So that that would be my second surprise team. Yeah, not 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 a bad selection. I could see that. Well, that is going to wrap us up for tonight, guys. The next time after this time that you log on and listen to, I'm not targeting you're targeting. It's going to be game week. We're going to tell you how bad we're going to be. Middle Tennessee. Yeah, the Blue Raiders. Never chatting we're going to work focus. I'm, I'm, I'm breaking Coach Saban's cardinal rule. I'm looking hard to the ball. We will definitely break down the series. Thanks for listening. Tom, as always, if you're going to hate Auburn, you have to hate early and hate often. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Take it easy, guys. Great.